Welcome to the Business Perspectives by Hawk FX, a podcast series with industry experts in international business, providing clarity on doing business overseas. Hawk FX, clarity through perspective. Hello, I'm Glenn Thompson, and welcome along to this Business Perspectives podcast with Hawk FX. And we have Greg Smith back in the studio from Hawk FX. Greg, how are you doing? Nice to see you again. Thanks, Glenn. Very good. Thank you. Okay. What themes are dominating global trade is our subject today. Quite an open subject. Uh, Many themes, I should imagine, at the moment are dominating global trade, aren't they, Greg? The biggest topic really at the moment for our clients is Brexit and the changing rules, things that are going on with trade with Europe. There have been some major delays and limitations in getting goods into the country from documentation delays, the new documents that everybody has to complete to get things in. We've also had capacity issues with things trying to get onto boats and into ports, which hasn't been helped by a number of things. There's been the issue with the Suez Canal, which held up freight for an extended period. And then we've also had things like general price increases, which are a bit of a combination of multiple issues with the capacity, with the economy starting to open up post-COVID. Everything, as it starts to get back to normal, it's just taking a little while for global Mm. infrastructure to pick back up again. You mentioned the Brexit side of things there, Greg. Has that uh, been as bad as some feared after the referendum? You mentioned about documentation down at ports and what have you. Is that causing an issue? It has been less of an issue than I think many were worried. We have uh, got an agreement in place to cover trading goods. So from that perspective, the impact is a lot less than, than it could have been. There have still been major disruptions for businesses with the increased costs of having to get that documentation in place. And there also seem to be quite a lot of delays where the correct customs procedure hasn't been followed. So the wrong code has been put against the goods or the goods aren't quite as specified in the documents and that sort of thing. We've had issues you may have seen on the news, issues with things like seafood coming from Scotland and from England trying to get into France, which was a big route. And because of the delays to that, it then isn't fresh by the time it gets there. It spoils, which is you know one example of where what could be actually you know a delay and, and might not be a big issue for too many can actually stop the whole thing working in certain industries. With Brexit generally, I think we could probably do a whole episode on Brexit and the changes that we've seen over the last few months. It's going to take a while to settle down, isn't it? I mean, I know we're sort of we've gone through the transition period, but in a way we're in a, a different type of transition period now, aren't we? With things trying to settle down, people trying to work out how they do, as you mentioned, the documentation process. Yeah, very much so with Brexit. It hasn't really helped that we've had those major changes through the time of COVID and all the other challenges that go on top of that. So capacity has been limited. We've seen increases in goods moving as a result of people buying more whilst they they haven't been traveling. So there's all sorts of things that have happened. I was talking to a customer at the end of last week and they had goods that were on the container in the Suez Canal that got stuck on that ship and they're still impounded. We've had people trying to import into the US and one of the the big issues, uh, which is quite funny really, was it's a lack of containers. Mm. So because 
the US stopped producing as much and sending as much back to China, partly because of COVID. China effectively ran out of containers and nobody realised quickly enough. So they didn't have anything to put things in to ship them over. And that pushed prices up because... You know, it's a supply and demand issue. And if you want a container, you've got to pay more for it. So all sorts of these things mm. that seem to have come together, as well as Brexit, that are causing issues. It's amazing that the knock-on effect that whole Suez Canal episode had, uh, really. So outside of Brexit then, uh, Greg, let's move on. What are some of the major themes that you're seeing evolving? I think one of the biggest changes we've seen over the last couple of years, and it really started with Donald Trump's approach to China, to Mexico and and others, to Canada, is a move away from free trade and a move towards a more protectionist environment. If this continues, I think you can sort of see the direction that it's going and see us transitioning from a very globalised system where trade seems to move very freely and we've seen similar with Brexit in terms of a reduction in free trade to perhaps a more regional system where there are local trading agreements. So we've got that in the US with the US now quite happy to trade north and south with Canada and Mexico but pulling out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership so no longer in that group that covers China and the South Pacific trading area. On the flip side, we've had China moving to strengthen its position regionally. They've through last year, which didn't really get a lot of coverage whilst everyone was thinking about COVID and whilst things were disrupted. But there's a new setup, the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership. Not the easiest to uh, Bit of a to tongue twister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, RCEP, R-C-E-P, for sure. It's probably an easier way of uh, certainly writing it out. Probably not much easier to say, unfortunately. But it covers uh, 10 Southeastern Asian countries, South Korea, China, Japan, Australia, New Zealand. And actually is the largest trading block now globally. So that's a very big change from the Trans-Pacific Partnership that was really the US and China and the really big powers to a situation where we've actually got that slightly separated with the US not involved in that partnership. Mm, Sounds like it could be shifting towards Asia then, would you say? There's certainly been a move in that direction. And China has, for a number of years, had a policy of wanting to be more involved with global trade, wanting to be not just the cheap manufacturing hub, but wants to see itself as a big part of globalisation, wants to work and effectively move up, I guess, the supply chain. Mm. So their Belt and Road initiatives very well publicised. And what they're aiming to do is connect markets across Asia, across Africa, Europe, with maritime and rail and road networks and putting the infrastructure in place to help bring all of that together. So under the RCEP, uh, the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, they've got the 10 countries that are covered at the moment. The UK may look to join that as we're looking outside and looking at other trade partnerships coming out of of Europe. And at the moment, that covers around 30% of global trade. With what China's planning with the Belt and Road initiatives, it would effectively double that, give or take. It would take it up to something like 60% of the world's trade, the world's GDP, that would potentially come within that sphere and be part of China's trading arrangements. So 
as you say, in terms of a shift mm. towards Asia, if you think that's what they're planning and they're trying to bring people together and, and make trade more open, it is certainly uh, something that's mm. going to reshape the way people, I think, think about trade globally. That said then, Greg, is that changing how China fits within global trade itself? Very much so. And I think the Chinese government's plan has been, again, they've had a 50-year plan. They think a little bit further ahead than our five-year, four, five-year government terms that we seem to have in the US, the UK and European economies, where they're really trying to develop and look at how they grow and become a bigger part of global trade and global power generally. So it really has been moving away from lower value manufacturing. And as part of this Belt and Road Initiative, I've seen estimates that around 100 million labour-intensive manufacturing jobs, what China's really been known for, is expected to move to other lower-cost countries as part of this transition. So some potentially more locally, such as Vietnam and Myanmar and and India, some further away, such as Mexico and, and even in Africa, where China has been really putting out global feelers and providing support to help the development of some African nations. So there's clearly some major changes to trade globally then, Greg. What are some of the others that you think could have a major impact? So outside of things like China, I think there's a lot we could look at in terms of technology and technological advancements. So blockchain, everybody's talking about Bitcoin and and whether it goes up or down, a bit of both and usually quite rapidly. Tell us about blockchain. What's that? Blockchain is effectively it's the technology that sits behind Bitcoins, Mm. but it's effectively a decentralized ledger that allows multiple people to see what's been done, what transactions have been made on a particular chain or on a particular item. So the benefit of this in trade is that where you typically have lots of documents in lots of different places that uh, an importer might be able to see certain elements and a customs agent might need then elements from the importer and from the exporter, everyone can only see the documents and the elements that they're involved in. The benefit of something like blockchain type technology is that it puts all of that information in one central place that everybody can update and can access. So that's something that I think we've started to see elements of. It's certainly not something that has really been deployed and really helped in global trade yet, but it's something that's certainly coming. Which areas then, Greg, are most open to benefit from improvements in in the digital space, would you say? As we said with blockchain, anything that is going to help businesses and help agencies see what's going on where things are in that chain and what's been completed and is going to make things easier one area and again particularly close to my heart is around the financing of trade and traditionally this is something that's been done by the banks with a suite of products so bank loans and overdrafts letters of credit export credit and all of that accounts for about 80% of the financing of, of world trade. It's very much still within standard sort of bank circles. The problem is that it's quite expensive. A lot of these products are quite expensive. So it puts them out of reach of small and medium sized businesses. And it also slows things down because if you've got to get a, a letter of credit, you, you've got to physically, you've got pieces of paper transferring from one person to another and someone having to verify them and the bank having to come back so all of these things 
a cost quite a lot and b take time mm. in moving money around to make sure goods can start to move so that's an area that i think again with technology generally potentially blockchain potentially just other technologies is an area that i can see there being huge benefits in efficiency which then should flow through to allow more businesses to move product internationally and ultimately all of that should end up in a benefit to the customer so that's an area and the financing of it that i think is going to we're going to see significant changes going forward Mm, well sounds very positive greg doesn't it are there any other positive forces for disruption then I think another major theme and something everybody's talking about at the moment is is social responsibility and environmental mm. consciousness. And that's something I think that, again, is going to bring further changes. More and more consumers are asking for products that have been ethically sourced and that are environmentally friendly. And when you think about what we're doing generally is producing things in far off countries and moving them around, importing them, there is a significant environmental impact. And we've seen that, A, we see people wanting to get things potentially more locally through some of the the government schemes Mm. and incentives. But also, given some of the disruptions that we've had, that means that producing things locally and having a slightly different type of supply chain is actually less open to disruption potentially then has a competitive advantage when that is something that you're promoting to customers. So I think that whole aim of reusing, recycling, reducing, returning, Mm. all of those things, I think have the ability to benefit the environment and reduce costs and actually reduce the amount of things you need to transfer around. So that I think is something that positive disruption maybe reduces elements of global trade but allows things to work better overall. Some really good items today, Greg, and I think you've given us fodder, haven't you, for future podcasts? It's been good to talk. I think we've had a a brief dive into some Mm. of these issues that we're facing at the moment. Uh, And as you say, it's probably something we could come back to in future podcasts uh, and dive into in a bit more detail. Okay. so what themes have been dominating global trade? Hopefully you found today's podcast with uh, Hawk FX interesting. Greg Smith on our Business Perspective podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today hit that subscribe button on the podcast series and uh, you'll be notified of uh, new episodes as and when they are released Uh, greg nice to talk to you look forward to our next podcast on business perspective with hawk effects very soon thanks very much glenn thank you for listening to business perspectives by hawk fx clarity through perspective for all your money transfer needs whether you are a business or an individual Visit hawkfx.com.